Hello and welcome back to Unleash Your Peace. My name is Ali Shoja. I am your host. I'm a positive mindset coach, a personal transformation expert, a deliberate creator, and your peace trainer. And Unleash Your Peace, this podcast over here, is your peace training. It's where we dive into different aspects about the internal world every single week. Because that's exactly where your joy resides, your peace, your creativity, everything that you love about life is within you. And we want to unlock that. We want to unleash it because when you live from this place of joy and peace and connectedness to that infinite beingness of you, that non-physical potential of you, you don't just incrementally improve the quality of your life, you actually exponentially innovate every aspect of your experiences on this physical plane you become whole you become the powerful creator you have come here to be and you become an uplifter in your family in your community and that trickles out into the world at large this is our wish for you this is our wish for everyone on this planet because that's essentially how we level up as a human race we enter the next stage of our evolution when we live in this way all right so we have another really incredibly exciting episode for you guys today and joining me again my co-host nilu naderi hello everybody and we have a wonderful guest for you and we believe you can learn so much from her as we have over the years Susan Hirasuna. Susan is a Fox 11 News weekend anchor and reporter. She's an award-winning reporter, and she has interviewed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, and we can't wait to dive in and see what she's learned along the path. <laughs> Hi, Susan. Hi. And P.S., being on the other side of the mic is not that comfortable for me. <laughs> So, yes, I've interviewed hundreds of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people, but on this side, not so much. How does it feel? It's a little, uh, you know, it's out of my comfort zone, frankly. Do you feel compassion for your subjects? <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, we'll make sure it goes smooth for you today. We're so grateful that you have come on board and you agreed to do this interview with us. We're so excited to have you on there's so many different ways this conversation can go. And to start us off, how did you even get into being an anchor to being a reporter? What inspired you to do that? Well, this goes back to what a lot of people talk about in terms of intention, right? Mm. So very early on in my life, I started to think about, well, what is it that I want and where do I want to be? And not everyone is as lucky as I am, but I was able to make it back to Los Angeles, which is my hometown. In the course of a career in television news, you typically start in a smaller market and then you work your way up to different sized markets before you can land exactly where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was to come home to Los Angeles. So I was very, very lucky. But early in my early adulthood, I guess, I thought, maybe I want to do that. And I was very lucky that there was somebody out there that kind of looked like me. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of Asian anchors back in the day, but there were one or two. And I thought, well, maybe I can do that too. And so I set off on my path. And that included getting a degree at USC 
And then at the same time as I was finishing up my last couple years at USC, I was working at a radio station. Then I tried to get internships so mm -hmm. that I could uh, align myself, associate with other people who were already in the news business. So I worked at Channel 2 back when, this is how long ago it was, back when it was called KNXT, not KCBS TV. And there, as an intern, I met an assignment manager who would eventually be the man that hired me at Fox 11 mm -hmm. 23, 24 years ago. In fact, wow. I'm, I'm coming up on my 24th anniversary. And at this point, I think we were going back and forth. And I was trying, I was in Boston and I was trying to figure out whether it made sense for me to come to Los Angeles. Of course, I wanted to come to Los Angeles, but I had a young family. And so it wasn't just my decision. It had to be my decision with my then husband's decision and he finally agreed that mm. it was a good idea to wow. move out here. Susan, you know, it's a competitive industry like and I'm sure it was not an easy road. What kept you going? What kept you inspired? That's a really great question. I mean, the part of the thing is is that you do hopefully have a life outside of the newsroom and outside of the news business. I had a, a small child when I first came here, eventually I had a second child. So you do kind of get into that work mode where it becomes a job, not so much a profession, right? Where, mm. you know, every day I had to worry about making lunches, dressing children, carpool, before I even got into the car to start my work day. So there was a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was just, you know, I just got to put one step in front of the other and keep going. There were, I'm not going to say it was all like, you know, flowers and roses <laughs> and, and awards. And, and there were definitely blurry times <laughs> during that period where I can't really remember what the days were like. Certainly, I wasn't aspiring to do much more than just getting through the day because I had to do it all over again the next morning, get up super early and then I was doing a night shift so I was working from 3 p.m. to 11 and who knew when I would get home so you know wow. the thing is is that as a reporter as an anchor you know you start the day at 3 you end the newscast at 11 p.m. you get home by 11:30 or so as a reporter you could be anywhere and I do mean anywhere in Southern California so sometimes it meant finishing up a live shot at 10 o'clock 10, 15, but I'm in Palmdale or I'm in Riverside and you still have that hour plus to drive home. back to get back to the station where I left my car and then drive home. So sometimes I was getting home at, you know, 12, 12.30, but still have to get up at 6.30 or whatever to, wow. you know, get the kids off to school. You know, those were definitely tougher times. <laughs> the most amazing thing is that I survived them and could emerge into a place where I feel much more excited about my job and career and I mean I don't have to worry about little kids anymore so I've long been someone that has been as I say curious for a living but mm. this time period feels so much more exciting in that there are so many different ways that you can get information or inspiration mm. and so wow. there are podcasts like yours there there are aggregators where you can read lots of different articles from a lot of different people and a lot of diff different sources Plus, I make it a point to be out in the, the world, in my city. I love Los Angeles. So I'm going to events and, and whatever, hoping to meet those kinds of people that will tell me a little story where I go, wait, that's a story. I want to mm. do that story. Mm. So it's it never ceases to amaze me how many different ways you can 
find a different kind of story than just your average, like a court case is finishing up and you need to be down at the criminal courthouse. So personally, I like the other stories better, you know, not so much the lead stories. So they want me to be the lead story or they want us all to be close to the A block lead story. But frankly, I like the ones that are just a little bit more personal Mm -hmm. that talk about people and what they're doing and you know I love yeah I do but you know and people tell will tell me great stories all the time like community garden group or disruptors that are they've got a great idea for a new product service app whatever and I think it's a great thing but I can't necessarily get a lot of attention to it because there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of shiny objects as I like to say for (laughs) the news managers they want to make sure that we cover the events of the day Mm. I mean News is like what you want to tell your friend over the, you know, we used to call it water cooler chat. Mm. A lot of what news stories are, are the, hey, did you hear about, you know, and now we have so many different ways that we can hear about things, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be Instagram or Twitter or all the news services, whatever. But news stories that at least pique the interest of the news managers that make the choice on what to cover and as well as what they think will appeal to the public and the viewers has to do with unusual. It's an unusual situation. Like a lot of people will come to me and ask me how it is I've survived as many years as I've worked in the news business without walking around holding it all in, which I tend not to. I feel like I'm a pretty happy, upbeat person. You are. But but part of it is because I think that we really do cover the unusual. So you don't cover dog bites man. You cover man bites dog. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's the way sense. I try yeah. to explain it because, Absolutely. you know, the thing is, is that you don't want a plane to come down into a neighborhood. That doesn't happen every day. But when it does, you have to cover it, right? Mm-hmm. And what I try to explain is it really is unusual. If you think about how many planes there are in the air every day, there's not a plane crash every day. Thank goodness. Um, But if there was, if it was just every single day, we had three, four, five plane crashes, we would stop covering them, right? Because it would just become more common. Thank goodness that's not the case. So Susan, uh, you mentioned there has to be a compelling story. And so if someone is doing good work, and they want to get it out there, like, how do they get the attention of the news? You know, that is the $10,000 question, (laughs) (laughs) which I've tried to figure out myself. First of all, Los Angeles is very unusual because it's not just Los Angeles. Los Angeles, we cover things in Santa Barbara County, Ventura County, Riverside County, San Bernardino County. We've gone as far down as San Diego. Mm. So it's such a wide area. The communities that we serve are almost all of the above. Santa Barbara's really not in our viewing area. San Diego's not really in our viewing area. But you have to serve the community. That's your responsibility, broadcasting over public airwaves. And so sometimes it could be one of those situations where you come up with the right story that has a lovely positive spin, and it's in a community that they were thinking, gee, we really haven't been to, you know, Lomita. Maybe we ought to take her story idea. Mm. And it's also it also kind of has to do with what else is going in the course of the day. I don't know how many times I've brought them stories that I think are are just lovely, sweet stories, and they're not as interested because it's not going to be a part of the A block, which is tends to be much harder news. A community garden story 
is softer news, mm-hmm. and it's a lovely story, and it might touch a lot of people's hearts, but it's not going to be high up on the list of stories, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Weekends are a little different, you know, but even then, they're, they're hoping for some kind of harder st- story that will be compelling and, and, and have a general interest to more people. Not everybody's interested in the community garden, you know. It seems to me also talking to people in my life, there seem to be two distinct kinds of stories that people tend to tell. One is uh, the car crash, right? You're driving by the car crash and you have to stop and kind of look at it. Yeah, I have one of those stories, right? I'm an immigrant. My dad was a con artist and we moved around and changed our names. Like, that's a car crash kind of a story. It's Mm. like, ooh, tell me more. What else is happening, right? And then the second type of story is kind of like you're driving uh, by the coast and it's the most spectacular sunset you've ever seen. It's beautiful. It's, a you know, fewer people slow down to look at that sunset. We kind of get take that for granted, right? And those are really beautiful things like, like the community garden, like the meditations, like whatever it is that's uplifting the community and themselves and their families and so forth. And I think... What you're getting at is so interesting. We, of course, want to be involved with more of the second kind of story, but we stop and look at the car crash. <laughs> it's human nature. And by the way, as I probably mentioned before, I mean, people will tell me that they want things to be more positive, but then it's not borne out. News, there are plenty of people who make their living being the news consultants, right, to help stations figure out how best mm-hmm to serve the community or bring in viewers. When they do those polls, people will pretty much uniformly say, oh no, we want more positive news. Mm -hmm. But when I say it's not borne out, then when you look at the ratings, when they try that avenue, it just doesn't work. Now, admittedly, some of what we do is, you couldn't call it positive or, or negative per se. When there's a big wildfire and people have to evacuate or you need to let people know where this is happening. That's a public service. Yes. I, you know, I'm not covering it because I'm, I'm a fire bug and I like seeing that kind of stuff. I'm covering it because I know that the information that I'm bringing is helpful to a great number of people. That is really our primary raison d'etre, is to be of help to the community. We're supposed to be of community service, uh, a service to the public. The rest of the stories, you know, I mean, like it or not, people don't want to admit it, but they are interested in celebrities, and they are interested in what somebody they may have heard of before that may maybe not a, you know, a bona fide celebrity, but they've heard of that person. So then that piques their interest. It's, it's hard to like put your fingers on exactly what it is that piques a person's interest, but it's, it's interesting. It's, I'm telling you, it's very similar to the kind of conversations you'll have at the dinner table or you get together with friends and you go to a restaurant. You know, sometimes people think about the kind of anecdotes that you guys exchange and whether or not that sort of is parallel to the way we cover the news. So, but trust me when I tell you, I've had many conversations with reporters who've been sent out on the field, in the field, and they have to cover a story about fill in the blank, whoever the celebrity of the moment is. Or, you know, someone I've never really heard of, and I bet 85% of the people have never heard of, but because they have a little bit of a name, we're going to cover it. So, for example, Molly Mall, shaking your head, going, who's Molly Mall? (laughs) who is a hip-hop producer, well-known in the hip-hop community. So the sheriff's department had done a raid on his house because there had been 
rumors or allegations that he had some exotic animals that he wasn't supposed to have. And so we covered it because he's got a little bit of a, a name, a notable name. Let's see, who else? There was another hip-hop star, an actual star. His car was a part of a shooting, a deputy-involved shooting. Not him. They weren't suggesting that he was in the car. They weren't 100% sure he wasn't, but there was no evidence that he was. And so we still covered it because and went to a house that he had rented, you know, looking for something. And mm. I mean, you know, again, a little bit of celebrity. The Nipsey Hustle thing was huge yeah, for us. We really, really covered that ad nauseum because we realized how much he, he meant to a, a community in South LA, Compton area. And and we got a lot of approbation for that, that a lot of members of the community and beyond, because he is a worldwide figure, were very uh, pleased that we had dedicated that much time and energy to telling that sad story. Meantime, I know for a fact that there were people, reporters who go, I don't know where, who Nipsey Hussle is, and you still cover it with the same kind of passion that you would cover if, uh, you know, your favorite artist had mm-hmm. had been killed, so... You know, it's, it's interesting. And, and everybody's perspective and everybody's metric on what's an interesting story is different. It depends on how you were brought up. It depends on what your likes and dislikes are, right? So it's not a criticism, but the, the thing that I would say about making decisions and the decisions that are made in, our, in any newsroom is that sometimes I, I think it's too narrow and that it, it really, we need to expand out. That's why it's great to be in this market, because in this market, there's such a diversity of talent in front of the camera and behind the camera. You mean in Los Angeles? In Los Angeles, right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've worked in smaller markets. I've worked in other areas of the country. I worked when I worked, I mean, the very beginning of my career was in Colorado. In Colorado, it was just a little small town. So they, you know, if they were still doing newscasts, they probably didn't uh, spend much time on Nipsey Hussle. I don't know. I don't know how Denver covered the death of Nipsey Hussle. And I think there's been, at least in my group of friends, a growing number of people who don't watch the news anymore, especially with this, uh, you know, positive mindset and and staying in a positive way. What do you think it's going to take? Because you're saying, although people say they want positive, the numbers don't show, right? So Mm -hmm. what do you think it'll take for that to tip over? And and do you think it's even possible? Okay, first of all, let me just address the whole people aren't watching the news. So <laughs> what people are not doing now yeah. is they're not waiting for the five o'clock news to come on because that's True. the way it yes. used to be, yeah. right? Is you would watch the news at five or six o'clock because that's the only time it was on. Mm-hmm. And now we have news around the clock and you can get it on your watch, on your phone. So there are fewer reasons to just watch the news, as in a newscast. And there is that recognition in our in the news world that there has to be a different way to present it. So that's why digital has become so much more important. That's mm-hmm. why you'll see people like tweet out their stories from the day and whatever. So that's, that's one thing. So yes, there are, trust me, I met lots of people, they meet me and they go, what do you do? And when I was in Portugal, what do you do? Oh, I do the news at in Los Angeles. Oh, I never watch the news. I'm like, okay, never watch the news. That's fine. But we have a purpose. You know, there's it's beyond just a, a five o'clock newscast, clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, back to the brush fire and the floods and the whatever, there's a reason why yeah. we need to exist. 
in terms of trying to attract people back to watching the news or watching news stories, I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, I, I if I did, I'd probably re- be running some newsroom <laughs> somewhere. So, you know, again, I think there's this interesting dichotomy in that I think people say they want something different, but they're just as equally as intrigued in the in the stories that have a little you know, a little celebrity or might be a little sordid. You know, it's just, they're just curious because people are curious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, I think if I could figure it out, I would be running some newsroom somewhere. I'd be the king of the world, of, <laughs> at least the news world anyway. <laughs> and so I do not have the answer. I, I would love for there to be a more positive spin on newscasts. But then what's that? What's the definition of that? Mm-hmm. You can't survive on... Uh, on a daily basis, on stories just about what the daily meditation is or uh, how so-and-so started their day and set their intention for their day. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like a that's like a once-in-a-while story. That's not a daily story. Mm-hmm. A story is the story that you tell your mom when you, you know, before you go to sleep and you call your mom and say, hey, this is what happened to me today. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. You know what I mean? Like good storytelling mm-hmm. um, has all of those elements. I don't know if I'm talking out of school, but, you know, when we met and you guys wanted to tell me about the meditation events that you do, which is all great. But then what really interested me and and interested my boss when I told him about the fact that I had that meeting with you was not about the meditation. It was about the fact that your colleague said that they had range anxiety driving an electric car. Oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) And I'd never heard that before. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And and then only after (laughs) that did. did I talk to other people who said, oh, yeah, I had that electric fiat i hated it so much that i eventually just left it on the side of the road and had you know waited for the you know the repo guy to come and collect it and um, did you do a story on that no i wanted to do a story yeah and it's a real thing it is a real thing it's a real thing and it was it was funny because at that same time there was a huge billboard or whatever advertisement on the side of a building Mm. so when you're driving down the 405 or up the 405 near the airport. You know how they they cloak the buildings in advertisements? And so this one was talked about no range anxiety, you know, (laughs) range 300 miles. And I thought that was, you know, like, see, it's a thing. We need to do this story. And so, uh, (laughs) yeah, so my boss was like, yeah, do it. But because we couldn't get your colleague that uh-huh. didn't want to talk about her range anxiety it just kind of fell by the wayside uh-huh. so oh, no. we didn't do it yeah. but but yeah it was just kind of funny <laughs> I guess I you know I do know who it was I can remember that guy telling me yeah. oh yeah I had a I had a little e fiat I hated that car so much <laughs> oops I should probably shouldn't name brands but uh-huh. so but her, hers was no, a fiat a, as well right exactly well. and yeah. she was worried about you know but I get it you don't want to spread you know you don't want to like naysay, but if it's a thing, though, if it's a real thing, it's a real right? thing. And but she's, she's see, since but gotten rid of this fiat. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> it was a she hilarious was, story, though. She was she, very funny. She, she went to the charger and then had to take an Uber to the meeting. Yes, I'm like. What? What's the point of having a car if you have to do take Uber too? So, no. But the best part was, she's like, I'm gonna get 
you know, like a six-cylinder gas-guzzling <laughs> car for the next, like a real car for the next one. She because did. She, yeah. <laughs> she did. That's yeah. so funny. But it is like, you know, it spoke to how, you know, people might have had great intentions to start. I'm going to do my part to clear the, clean the air and, and then realize that this is not practical. For yeah, me. not yet. So, yeah. No, I have an electric car now. Okay. Now I have an electric car. Have? I have a Tesla. Oh, and nice. I love what it. What color do you have? Well, that's so it is. It has yeah. it has more than two hundred two hundred mile range. Yeah. So yeah. it it's fine for yeah. me. Yeah, and also those uh, the Teslas charge a lot faster. Those yeah, with the superchargers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Much faster. Yeah. Fiat is not going to be sponsoring us anytime soon, <laughs> right? So. so or or <laughs> I might be getting hate tweets from Fiat. Sorry, <laughs> but that being said, I I know somebody who loves his little Fiat. It's a it is gas, but those are kind of fun zippy cars. I think it's hard in LA to have an electric car that doesn't have a huge range because right. you can't what was predict range? the traffic. Well, the, the, the thing is the tr- range also changes, I think, yes. on those cars, depending on If you on run the air conditioning. Yeah, so yeah. she, she listen couldn't, to a podcast. She couldn't <laughs> listen to any radio or run the air conditioning. Oh, no, that's and, getting ridiculous. And, I mean, that, and that's kind of hard The hamsters were getting tired. Yes. No? <laughs> That is a tough thing. But I bet I bet they've made great improvements <laughs> since then. And everybody I'm is, sure, yes. you know, I mean, Jaguar now has an e-car yes. and Audi has one or two. And, yeah. you know, so everybody is going yeah. that direction. So it's not mm-hmm. like, but yeah, I thought that was funny. I think it, I mean, that was a couple of years ago. I think that was more of a story a couple of years back. Now, I think there's a lot more. Yeah, there's uh, a lot more options now. Yeah, there's more options, yeah. and I think and it's getting better. The batteries are getting better. I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of this interview. When we were talking about how you got into journalism, mm. you said mm-hmm. it's uh, it was just a simple case of setting intentions. Mm-hmm. And that young, to be able to set an intention like that, did somebody show you how to do that? Was it an internal instinct you had let me just point out i'm using today's vernacular well at 18 i went to uc santa barbara there was a class that i wanted to take and the only way i could take it was to declare a major so i mean to declare that major which was communication studies they didn't have a journalism department Mm. and so once i did that i thought oh well maybe news is the way to go and so then that's when i i got a job at the campus radio station and did my first couple of reports, which was quite difficult because I wasn't trained and it was just a matter of asking questions and trying to figure it out. So on the one hand, I didn't use that word. I set my intention Mm -hmm. to move forward and, you know, it was really a step-by-step thing. However, I will say that when I was in my early 20s, so by now I've left UC Santa Barbara and decided, well, if I want to be in the news world, then I'm going to get a journalism degree, which then took me to USC. I took a year off to work in radio, two radio stations, and and then um, I interned at a television station, which then allowed me to learn more about the way uh, reporters put together their stories and to go out with them and, you know, maybe hold a mic every once in a while, ask a couple questions. So that was very early in, in my life. I went to UC, uh, sorry, USC, I went to SC, and somewhere, I'm trying to remember when, someone introduced me to the idea 
of like a daily affirmation and mm. introduced me to religious science, which is not unlike a power of positive thinking and that kind of thing. So that is in that sort of foundation mm-hmm. of what we now call set your intention and take the steps towards that intention. So that was in my 20s. I did go through a period where I was out of work. So I think in that time period, I was like, well, what can I do to improve my skill set so that the next job I get, and I was positive I would get the next job, um, that I'll be better at it. Mm -hmm. I'll be better at this and and won't have a period of unemployment. So I did have definitely had that. And then you just get into that place where you just need to go to work and do the job, you know. Mm -hmm. So early on I had, I was very fortunate I've had uh, mentors or people that I was able to show my stories to, my reports to, that could give me critique, give me constructive criticism, and then also say, by the way, you're on your way. You just need to go play ball. You just Mm. need to go and do it. And doing it and doing it every day is better than doing it on on your own and then asking for constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. You have to be in that kind of situation where you're under the time crunch because it's a lot of time management. You know, sometimes I'm still doing interviews at 2.30, 3 o'clock, but I got to hit a 5 o'clock live shot and I still have to put everything together. Things have to be written, you know, you've got to put it together in a story form, hand it to the editor and hope that he can get what I put down onto uh, well, an email now, I send him by email, that he can put it together and we can get on the air seamlessly at five o'clock or whenever Mm -hmm. our slot is, as we say. So I definitely have had, you know, people who influenced me, people who sort of suggested, you know, it's always good to have like a little bit of a routine before you, you know, anchor the news. So anchoring is is a different kind of skill set than, than reporting. It's always good to sort of remind yourself. So when I went to, I went to Portugal in the summer, uh, in June, and that was with Mind Valley, wound up being half, 50, I would say 50% great and 50% meh. But it was a nice reminder to be more aware and mindful of your intentions on your on a daily best basis, whatever it is, your relationships with your kids, your relationships with your parents, your work relationships, your day, whatever, all, it's always good to be thoughtful and mindful to not go through life as flotsam and jetsam, that you actually think to yourself, okay, well, what does this day hold and what do I want to accomplish? Any advice for your younger self? Well, I had no idea that I would still be working at Channel 11 and still loving it. Mm. There were definitely times in my career there that I wasn't happy. I didn't, I just did it as a job. But I really so enjoy my, my job. And part of it has to do with the fact that I recognize that I love telling people's stories. And so every day is an opportunity for me to meet another person who can tell their story to me. And it's a big, sometimes it's a very big responsibility. Sometimes it's just, you know, we're here on the scene and, you know, and it's a criminal investigation, but we don't know who the principals are. We don't know who the victims are or whatever. So I'm not really telling that person's story per se. Um, So then we're really waiting for the police to weigh in on what's going on. But oftentimes it's 
it is a huge responsibility to tell somebody's story about perhaps someone passed away and you are tasked, this is not one of my favorite things to do, to see whether or not they want to talk about their loved one. And a lot of times they will say yes, because I will tell them, listen, this is the way they died. I don't want to tell that story. I mean, that's the framework for telling the story. But I want to tell the story about how they lived and why they mattered, mm-hmm. and why, why they matter to you. Sometimes they do it. I get all choked up because I think about all the times that there are, you know, people who many, many times they just slam the door in my face and tell me to F off. But the, the times when they say yes and I get to hear their stories, it's really meaningful to me. Mm, wow. And I really feel that, that responsibility of, of, you know, showing the public who these people are. I don't want numbers. I don't want them to be the fifth person to be bitten by a shark in, you know, the Bahamas. I want something more than that. Mm. I want to know that they had a life and, and they were so... Uh, important to the people who love them, whomever it might be, you know. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on this show. We're so grateful that you made time in your busy schedule and you could share some of your wisdom with our listeners. We enjoyed it. We've learned so much. And we, we do want you to still come to the meditation party. And, <laughs> and somehow it always... Uh, are you having one on Wednesday or didn't you have one last Wednesday? Yes. Somehow yeah. it always never quite works in my schedule. So, But now that we've talked about it, it will yes, at some point. Exactly. Um, I just have to set that intention to make yes, it work. Yes. Uh, I'm double booked on this Wednesday. And so we I serve can't do it. really yummy food. Just That's what I hear. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a dinner party. It's wonderful. So we, we would love to host you at a meditation party and uh, you don't need to cover it. You can just come <laughs> and relax <laughs> and enjoy the food and the meditation. And thank you so much. We're just so grateful. Oh, no, thank you. I don't know how much wisdom I imparted, but I'm happy that you uh, that you're here and you guys have a positive spin in a world that oftentimes is not so positive. Yeah, I think that's that's key right there. And um, giving our audience like a, a, a look at like what it feels like to be the person reporting all these stories for so long. Well, OK, let me just say that I've met like counselors or even like a a psychic that wanted me to ask her like a critical question and my one question was so I've covered a lot of tragedy am I holding it in here and I thought not because I just feel like I'm a mostly a positive person and a happy person and and not that I put a lot of stock in what she had to say but she said no you figured it out and I've asked other people that too Beautiful. that are in that world or, or professionals of some sort. Mm. And they go, no, I think you figured it out. I think you figured out how not to you know, Take it on. hold it. Mm-hmm. Carry it with I'm you. Still, I still have the empathy yeah. and compassion, but I don't hold the tragedy. Because mm-hmm. if I held everybody's tragedy, I think I'd be in a corner yeah. Yeah. in the fetal position. So. By the way, let me just also say, I've done this a long time. I've done this my entire adult life. That's a long time. And I feel like it's gotten a little bit more difficult in the last couple of years. I feel like people have gotten to the point where they have no problems telling you to to just F off, you know, go away. Go away is okay. Or I don't want to talk to you. Or please, I don't want to talk to you. But it's it, people have like lashed out, even when I'm not trying to interview them. I mean, recently someone, I was in the neighborhood, and the woman 
you know, started to record me and say, you know, you shouldn't be here, get out. I'm like, I'm just doing my job. So anyway, I do, I do try to explain to people that I don't know what other people do as reporters. I just know what I do as a reporter. And I have a very strong sense of my personal integrity and ethics. And I don't want to malign anyone per se. I mean, if you've done something that deserves it, that's something different. But in terms of, you know, kind of, there's two sides to every story, sometimes more. And it's interesting that I've had this conversation with people. I've had to, like, convince people to talk to me. And part of it is, it feels like more often than not, I have to say, but I'm not that reporter. I don't know Mm -hmm. what that reporter Mm -hmm. did to you. I'm not that reporter. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, you know, trying to trip you up. I just want to know what your point of view is or what your side of the story is. But it's, it's hard. It's gotten harder, I think. I think people are just becoming a little, or maybe I'm just lucky that in the course of my career, people have not been that, that mean to me. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just been recently I felt like people were like, why are you being mean to me? <laughs> I think with news being everywhere and people's lives being plastered everywhere, people are a lot more getting more protective mm-hmm. of their privacy. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's taken the novelty out of being interviewed. Susan, where can we find you? Where can we watch you or how can we reach out to you? Well, these days, I anchor the weekend news, which we have a newscast at 5 o'clock. We have a newscast at 10 o'clock. But because of sports, sometimes it's preempted. But, you know, it's really easy to find me on social. I have two Instagram accounts. One is more specific to Fox 11 News. So that's at Susan Hirasuna TV. Then my more personal one is at Susan Hirasuna. I'm on Twitter as well. But you can, you know, I have a Facebook page. You can reach out in any way, shape, or form. I would love to hear stories. I would love for people to reach out. Don't be dissuaded by the fact that I said it's hard for me or it seems to be hard for me to get those more positive stories into the hopper, in in to at least consideration. You still want to hear them. Please, I do. Yeah. I do indeed because you just... You just never know. Some days I get to do those things, and and those are the better days when I get to do a story that I really appreciate and and, uh, believe in. And, you know, I don't want to cover mass shootings. Please no more mass shootings. (laughs) (laughs) Please no more of that. But, uh, but yeah, reach out for sure. You know, it's not that hard. Susan Hirasuna, (laughs) S-U-S-A-N-H-I-R-A-S-U-N-A. Wonderful. Wonderful. And if you want to connect with us, we are at Peace Unleashed on Instagram. That's where we share love notes with you every single day. And I have lives where I answer your questions about the internal world. So connect with us through that. And if you want to work with us at any capacity, check out peaceunleashed.com. And until next time, when we come back and dive into another aspect of the internal world, we wish you a peace-filled day.